the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the show. This is the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast, episode 311 for Monday, the 29th of December, 2014. Three sleeps until year 2015. My name is Edwin Hammond. Joining me over a Skype connection, first of all, is Brett King. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey. Hey, how you doing, Brett? Pretty good. Hope Christmas treated you well? Brilliantly. <laughs> and look, you know, Brett, last week we had a fantastic episode. We talked to Juana Jones, who produced this concept 3D printed turntable. Mm-hmm. And she joins us again for episode 311. Welcome to the show, Juana. Hi, Edwin. Hey, it's good to have you back. Good to be here. So, just a couple of stories. A short podcast, and uh, we know people are busy between Christmas and New Year, but I did want to bring these two stories up because, uh, well, one of them's kind of important, and we'll kick off with it. It's the year 2038 problem, as some people are calling it. So let me explain this to, to listeners who may not be familiar with it. You've probably heard of the year 2000 problem, right? That's when computers, certain programs use the last two digits to determine the year. So, of course, when the year went from 99 to 00, some assumed it was 1900 or some other date. Well, we have a a slightly different problem this time, and they're calling it the year 2038 problem. Here's how it works. Particularly on Unix, Linux, and Mac systems, the clock is a record of the number of seconds elapsed since the epoch. Now, the epoch is defined as midnight on January the 1st, 1970 UTC. And this number is typically stored in a 32-bit integer. And the maximum that can hold, because it's signed, so there's half the numbers are negative, half are positive, the maximum number is 2,147,483,647. We talked about this exact same problem two episodes ago. Did we? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the same problem that YouTube had oh, with the YouTube um, problem. Gangnam Style. <laughs> That's right, Gangnam Style. Exceed- Thank you, Brett. I'm glad you mentioned that. You absolutely, as Brett mentioned, Gangnam Style had exceeded that number of views. And the, because this number is stored in a 32-bit memory address, YouTube wasn't going to be able to cope with that. So they, you know, Google had to change. Uh, you know, uh, I think they moved to 64-bit system. It started showing negatives, didn't it? Um, did it actually? I don't know. Did no, it actually no. show, it, it's, or did they catch they, it first? They were, yeah. They 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 were smart enough to have a a good failover system where instead it just shows you two, you know, it shows you max int, and then and if stops. you hover over it, it does random little spinny things as if it's going haywire. But did they catch it before that? Is the question, or did it start showing negative numbers? I was under the assumption they had catched, caught it before. Yeah, I thought they did too, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But anyway, Gangnam Style aside, this number of seconds since the epoch, when that reaches that maximum number, we're going to have a similar type of problem with the year 2000 problem where the software that's written 
will not know how to interpret the date. Is it 1901 because it uses negative numbers or is it uh, back to 1970 or what is the date? And so unless computers either are built to work around this or are on a 64-bit system, we're going to have problems. Indeed. So, so it just means that before the year 2038 or before, well, earlier, depending on what your system is, uh, you will patches will be deployed, just as what happened before the year 2000. Yeah, see, it's going to be like the year 2000 all over again in terms of the you know the responses. Although having, said- I think it's going to be a lot easier. You- the year 2000 was is full of also all the conspiracy theories and all of the uh, the, the weirdness that was you know broadcasting around the internet and scaremongering that everything is going to fall over oh no what if somebody's forgotten something blah 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 and, and then nothing happened the because why because everybody patched beforehand this is going to everything will be patched well in advance <laughs> we got what 14 years yeah, before, but yeah. before D-Day, and I think everything will be well patched before then. Hell, everything will have moved to a fully 64-bit system by then. 24 years, Brett. 24. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably have this really cynical view, but I can just see it in 20-odd years from now that all the Unix and Linux systems will be updated and poor Mac will still be running 32-bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I see that too. No, no, Macs, Macs have been 64-bit for a number of years. But, <laughs> Macs might have been 64-bit, but is the date register, is the, oh, the I date see what you, yeah, okay. still mm. a 32-bit integer? Yeah, okay. Good. Or have they switched it to a long end? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And I, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, it is a good question. <laughs> One of what I thought you were going to say was that you can see nothing being done until – 2037, and then everyone's going to scramble to try and fix stuff. That too. Because <laughs> that's the way I see it. Uh, I think we will have well passed it by then because many other things will have surpassed the 32-bit and everybody will be switching over. I have a different question because, see, what's happening is with um, technology kind of getting smaller and everything going down into smartphones, tablets, the tablet I actually have is a 32-bit tablet, even though it's brand new, because they're using kind of slower things to work with the technology. So my question is, if we get into smartwatches and things where you're getting higher tech and smaller devices, it could actually be that we're still having the same problems even down in 2038. Yeah, I certainly yeah, hope. you can still uh, have I a hope- long end in a 32-bit operator. You'd hope so. Yeah, look, I, I kind of also hope that they can foresee this. Um, but, you know, it's hard to say because, I mean, didn't the year 2000 problem creep up on us? I mean, or, or perhaps more to the point, it was kind of what I said earlier about this problem where I think with the year 2000 problem, I mean, people kind of started to move some years before it, but it wasn't really until 1999 when people started really, you know. Um, oh, yeah, it's because it, it, everybody who had something important had moved had patched and fixed well beforehand, but it's just that you know desktops and and your 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 parents at home with their home computer they're the ones who didn't get their patches until 1999. I reckon you'll find a lot less of that for this problem because with cloud computing becoming a bigger and bigger thing, um, some of those patches might even be rolled out before people notice they're there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if that's where a lot of the compute 
power will automated be, updates. Then, then, then it's less of an issue, absolutely. Mm. And I, the I, fact that automated updates for most operating systems are prevalent these days, whereas back in 1999 they weren't. Um, yeah, this stuff will be patched behind everybody's backs and you will notice. Well, you know what we might, you know what we should do is if we're still podcasting in the year 2038, we should, the three of us should regroup and, and perhaps do, do a recap <laughs> and see whether we were right or wrong. <laughs> so shall we meet yeah, back we'll here wheel in 20- you in and you're in, <laughs> wheel you in in your chair? <laughs> it's only 24 years, Brett. Um, yeah, that's why I said, we'll wheel you in in your chair. Oh, now, now. <laughs> right, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on to Jaguar. Jaguar's latest. <laughs> so I got to get out of the story. Jaguar's latest. Uh, what do you call it? Auto technology. The, driver the, assist. Driver assist technology. Yeah, is, uh, that they're working on is this. Uh, the, I guess let me describe the problem. The problem first, and then we'll talk about the solution. The problem when you drive. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I noticed this particularly with my newer Honda car than I do with my older Nissan, uh, and that is the visibility. Or the lack of visibility with those pillars, both the the front ones and the ones down, you know, the side of the of the um, driver and passenger seats, the blind spots, exactly. And I'm forever trying to look, you know, move my head left and right to see is this a car or a motorbike or indeed a pedestrian obscured by the the pillars. And so Jaguar have decided to tackle that problem, and the way they're going about it is they're going to introduce some display technology to mimic a see-through pillar. In other words, they're going to project or display rather on the pillar what's behind it, what's on the other side of it. So they're going to make the pillars invisible? Uh, in a way. They're, it's they're, very it, cool. It's kind of what they're doing. It's what, yeah, exactly. So it's a bit like what they did with that. I think we covered a story a while ago, didn't we, with the, the building, Brett, I think you and I did that podcast, this, this yeah. huge tower in, was it the UAE? And that yeah. that effectively turning the entire skyscraper invisible. simply By projecting with, with, on one side of it the image of what was on was the on other Was on the other, side. exactly. So similar sort of concept, uh, but yeah, with these, these pillars, I, I think it's great. The only question in my mind is how effective is such a system when your eye uh, is fo- has to focus near when it's looking at the pillar, but far when it's looking slightly either side of the pillar through the window. Mm. You know what I mean? Will it, will it really feel transparent? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? When your eye yeah. has to... So not- well, I guess it, it, it's, it will be how it works in practice, but at least it gives you the information and that is something that you don't have at the moment. I'm a little so bit old-fashioned, but... Crazy idea, right? What if they just had some sensors that beeped at you if it saw a car to your left or right? Yeah, look, and I think they're doing that as well, though, aren't they? Yeah. Those yeah. features exist. I, I think, oh, okay. I think uh, that's my understanding anyway. I think this is more for the, for the actually being able to see it. Instead of hearing a beep and then moving your head all around going, okay, where the hell is that? Uh, this is showing you that there is something over in this side. Because they've also got this, the heads-up display, right? The, yeah. uh, and, and they can point out hazards as well. But I, I, I suspect this is, uh, I guess, just an extra system to to aid the driver visually. But, mm. yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, would, well, I, I just don't know how it would feel until you're in the, in the driver's act. seat. S- sorry, what was that, Brad? Driving is an incredibly visual act, so the more visual information you can give the driver, the 
better it's going to be. Yeah, but I think increasingly drivers are going to have to get used to the I get, you know, a heads-up display because I think that's going to get more and more prevalent. And I think yeah. we'll get trained to to sort of also focus on the as long as it's not distracting, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. It can't be a distraction. I so think it's a really, to... it's a really clever idea, though, because I mean, those pillars that are there are kind of structural. So I know there's companies that are just kind of making them smaller or getting rid of them, but I think that makes the car a lot less safe. So it's nice yeah, they're not going down that route. A, a structural necessity for the, you know, the, the safety of the vehicle for if rolls that's one of the tests that they do and with the fact that they you know cars these days have to pass rigorous NCAT ratings to get their their stars that say that they are very safe to drive or they are very safe for pedestrians if you happen to plow into one um that the higher ratings mean you get a better car means that you're going to get more sales they can't skimp on the, the the structural integrity of the vehicle and I think those pillars uh, have airbags nowadays, don't they? Yep. Most mm. of the, the modern cars, yeah. And so I guess there's, uh, that sort of adds bulk as well. You can't make them as as thin or as, as perhaps you once could mm. because there's, there's no a, a if function. if you can project onto their surface what is on the other side of them, you can, yeah, yeah have and look, what they've got here, an almost 360-degree window. Yeah, Are Jaguar and- keeping the airbags in there? Because surely you'd have to have a bunch of electronics and things in there, popping airbags in there as well. Yeah, but I believe they're keeping the airbags in there because isn't the image projected onto yeah, I the think, pillar, not I think it's an just- actual LCD screen or anything in the pillar? Well, so I it's like a, a, a mini projector built into the, the, the headboard. Well, um, I wasn't sure. Is it projected or is it um, with screen technology? I, I, I couldn't. I quite think tell. it's projected. It looks projected in their in their display video. Well, maybe it's projected. I I couldn't tell, but uh, yeah, I I the, the they've released a video and it looks really really good in the video. And as I said earlier, the the one question in my mind is, will it feel that smooth when you're driving with the whole near focus far focus thing? But um, hey, look, as you said, Brett. Uh, it's, well, you're already doing that all nothing. the time anyway when you're supposed to be constantly checking your speedometer and then looking into the distance. So you're already doing near far. Mm. Well, so, yeah. So mm. just be another one. All right. So a, a little poll for, for you people. Last week we talked about the uh, the BMW with, that could self-park, you know, drop you off at the door, find a park, and then you can summon it back. This week we talked about the, the Jaguar with the sort of invisible pillars, if you like. Which car would you rather have? Um, I think I'd prefer to have the BMW. Can it parallel park? I'd uh, like to have it if it could parallel park. <laughs> I that, think uh, it could parallel park. Because I can't parallel is that, park. Is that a challenge for the you? I was going to ask that. <laughs> the auto parking systems in most cars are built around parallel parking. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Um, Brilliant. BMW, definitely. <laughs> right. One is sold on the BMW simply because it can parallel park. Brilliant. I like it. Brett, what about you? What would you... I'd want both. No, nah, you want Just both. Yeah, both. That's, that's not an answer. I, <laughs> okay, in which case I would have the parallel parking, the, the, the parking one. The parking one. Yeah, look, I would actually go yeah. for that as well. <laughs> it's like, uh, who cares if I run over a person who's in my blind spot? Oh, I want to be able to get out of my car and have it find a car park. <laughs> oh, Brett. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, I think look, they're both cool features. One's just more direct a you know direct impact on you and the other one is more safety 
or everybody else. To be fair, me parallel parking is a fairly high hazard on the road. <laughs> <laughs> so I consider that a public safety <laughs> hazard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we can all look forward to fully self, uh, fully driverless cars, that's for sure. In theory, you yeah. should have a, a near-zero road toll too, by the way, when they're fully driverless. No, no. No, there'll still be a road toll because there'll still be people who run out in front of a car that's doing 100 and no car's brakes are going out that good. Oh, well, yeah. Mm. Well, I did say and near, also I said near you zero. you still have the person who thinks that because they used to tinker with their old car, they can tinker with their new car. Mm. And upload a different custom Indeed. firmware or something. Tweak their firmware, put on different brakes, mm. replace right, their but, worn uh, shocks <laughs> with... with Non marshmallows. Shots. <laughs> marshmallows. Exactly. Now, look, let's. I tell you what. Let's. Um. I was going to. And then this... the driverless car becomes <laughs> a whole different kettle of fish. Right. I was going to wrap the show up, but I, uh, Brett, I noticed you. Uh, you just slipped one extra story in there. Do you want to tell us about it? It's about a. Uh, I think something that's been three D printed in space, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought well, since we talked about three D printers, three D printing something cool last time. We'll talk about something else 3D printed cool, and that is that the that uh, NASA emailed the schematics for a wrench up to the International Space Station, and then the guys up there 3D printed it on the the new 3D printer that they'd been given, so that they could make a repair. That is very cool. I think do uh, you know what I think that is one of the best uses of 3D printers, where you want to get something from one location to a very far away location where there is a 3D printer and you email the, uh, what would you call it, the um, schematics, design. I guess? The design, yeah, the schematic. whatever the term is. The model. The model. The model. There yeah, we go. Yeah. We'll, we'll go with Juana because she, she knows. <laughs> um, she has the lingo. Uh, yeah, and and they can print it out at, at the remote location. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Just think of... <laughs> the amount of time and effort and money it can save, especially if the tool is, you know, required then and there as an emergency thing. You know, it's, they had a school competition for the um, 3D printer that NASA built in space. They ran a competition for the first print. I think it was some sort of plaque that they first printed, but apparently it was designed by some school kids, which is kind of cool. Oh, really? That is very cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. I didn't know about that, actually, I must say. But yes. you know what? If you want to pretend you're in space, 3D printing is you, just could, cool. <laughs> you could probably go online and find a model for a wrench and print your own wrench out and then pretend it was the one from space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could. Um, you know what? I, Obviously, know what? their 3D printer either uses some really uh, strong plastic or is one of those 3D printers that prints metal. Well, I don't think so, but the PLA that's usually used in 3D printers, it's the kind of firm plastic you have around the house. It's actually remarkably sturdy. Oh, okay. So you could possibly make a monkey? Yeah, you could. I mean, if you tugged hard on it, like any piece of strong plastic, it would probably snap. But um, you have one of those plastic rulers around the house. Imagine if that was a bit thicker. Um, you'd, oh, yeah. It'd yeah, still be yeah. quite structurally sound. I mean, it's not flimsy or anything. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Here's a really cool thing, though. Um, NASA and the ESA, both uh, the European Space Agency, both release uh, 3D models of their spacecraft and things they find in space. 
So a few weeks back, there was the Rosetta mission that landed on a comet, and you could actually mm-hmm. 3D print the comet. Oh, really? Oh, I have one at home. Awesome. You, did you say you have one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That is so oh, that cool. That is so cool. In fact, I printed one for the Stardome, which is the planetarium in Auckland. So if anybody is in Auckland and heads up to the Stardome, they can see this 3D printed comet that came off my printer. Oh, that is cool. That is so cool. We need, we need a 3D printer. Yeah, we need a 3 Right. Brett and I are going to go buy a 3D printer, right? <laughs> hey, look, you, you know what? After Christmas, right, like now there's all the sales on. Perhaps we'll pick one mm-hmm. up for fairly cheap. Well, you can get 3D printers from no leavings of all places. And warehouse stationery. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah. Wow. That is cool. All right, I'm going to get into the stuff. This seems, this is fascinating stuff. I, You know, I just wish we had that like 30 years ago. Mm. But um, anyway, there we go. Look, let's wrap it up there. Uh, Juan, I want to thank you very much for joining us back uh, again this week. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. It's our pleasure to have you on the show. And Brett, I want to thank you very much for co-hosting. Always pleasure, Ed. And that was episode 311. Thank you very much for joining. See you next time. Till then, have yourselves a fantastic new year. It's going to be new year, end of the year, right? 2015. Indeed. Here yeah. we come. That, that, did, where did the time, where did 2014 go? I say this every year, but yeah, it's scary. Well, you're getting older, Ed. And as you get older, your perception of time <laughs> speeds up. Right, before this gets too depressing, I'm going to wrap, wrap it up there. Uh, thanks very much for listening. See you next time. Have a great new year. Goodbye. Goodbye.